0: you know, we're all chowing down like that. And I look over to the captain and it was this vegetable soup. And I looked over and I noticed that mine had like pork or chicken in it or something. And I'd said, how come yours hasn't got pork or chicken? Yeah. How come mine's just got meat in? And he just leant over into my bowl. He said, that's not pork or chicken. That's your
1: tongue. Oh. <laughs>
2: You, like, you do like my mustache? No, she called you Mikey Mustache.
3: Has the show started? Yes. Hello? Hi. Welcome back to Impulsive, <laughs> the number one podcast in the world. Yeah, a lot of things are happening. Who? I mean, what's fucking new? It's 2020. The world's gone to shit. I'm not uh, totally convinced that it won't end this year. My mustache is back. Chris Some some <laughs> stuff went down on, on Twitter. I don't even want to talk about it, it that much. It's just like people are tweeting at me. Mm. Um, because remember way back when when he uh roasted and toasted me on Twitter, you guys were
1: beefing for like a second.
3: It wasn't even just mm-hmm. beef; he just fucked me up. He just mm. fucked me up. He's like
0: literally a professional at that, though, so not he, at all surprising.
3: Then he's grand slant me. He said, "Uh, he's I I made a, a caption uh, promoting a tweet promoting my vlogs as I do mm-hmm. I said, uh, and it's the end of Logan Paul vlogs. It's important that you watch." And this was what three years ago, and he said, "No, it's not." And I put a bunch of crying, <laughs> and he, he was, it was funny, but I was like too young to understand what was happening, yeah. and I was I was just bitter, just a- angry at the world that I was mm. inadequate, and so I, I lashed out. I put a bunch of crying emoji emojis, and I was like, "Now I know why your comedy career took a dive." And then he responded to <laughs> oh, that, I remember that and said, "At least when my career dies, you can film it and put it on YouTube." <gasps> The day might be here. Oh, God. <laughs> we wow. might. It, it might be this day because I have people tweeting wow, at me. It's and all like, come full circle. Bro, everything. Every. What about Georgia's stand-up thing?
2: No. No. What? Did that happen yet? <laughs> that seems like a weird transition back like wow, just, you know I What know. about it? I mean, There's did this shit happen? Is there proof or what? Is it just, is it, is it? You I, know? I don't
3: know. That's why I don't like talking on it. I'm just, it, it, it popped off on Twitter last night. People coming at me like, yo, this, you know, again, this might be the time to film his career.
2: No, anything. you're not you're not you're, you you're taking the high road. You're probably high anyways right now. Right now. I'm, yeah. not, I'm
3: not I don't i don't smoking the in the days in the during the oh, days yeah, yeah. when the when it's daylight.
2: One thing I do know about is that Belle Delphine made a comment. Wow. To- <laughs> wow. She's what talking the- about ducks in her music video. She goes, Did "Here's you- a big duck." Do you saw the video? Oh yeah. What's going on with her, dude? Like, like, but uh, there are a lot of people out there saying that her uh, remix of Gooba is better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, oh. I don't
3: know. If that's crazy difficult to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she came back with a music video. Uh, it's like a six-nine spoof to promote her OnlyFans, right? Oh, is that what it is? Well, how would you describe this girl for people who don't know who she is? She's like a uh, what is it? Like is an eager?
2: Is she like an e girl? No, there's like a <laughs>
3: genre for this. Oh,
2: oh cosplay. Yes, cosplay. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It. She does. She's. She, I don't think she's an e girl.
2: No, she's not an e girl. Cosplay. She, uh, yeah, she's co- a gamer cosplay. Yeah, girl. Like, and at one point, at one point, she was like. Is she still massive? Like, do people still give a fuck about what she does? Yeah, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, they do. She. So this girl at one point uh, sold her bathwater. Yeah, I remember and that. And made so much mm. fucking money because, mm. I mean, she's like a pretty girl. And, and uh, th- her look lends itself uh, to a bunch of fucking weirdos who okay. want to drink bathwater from- Are they drinking it? I would presume. Uh. Uh, I would presume. And then I would also imagine you get some sort of- uh, Energy, nutritional, transfer, health benefit, right? right? like totally. Yeah, you're 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 getting a little bit of bell like the salts
1: and stuff, right? And, uh, okay.
2: But I'm, bath salts? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's probably. why wa- Oh, so she was selling bath salts. That's illegal, Bell Delphini.
3: Oh, fuck. oh all right. Well, look, I want I'm gonna play <laughs> I'm gonna play a little bit of this, um, just enough to make you want to uh pound the nails into your ears. Yeah, but this not was a tough watch. To not nothing, nothing not, not, not lethal. Sign in to confirm
2: your age. <laughs> it got age gated. Uh,
3: makes sense. I don't even, I don't want to sign in to confirm my age. I know I'm 25. Damn, I, I, wish, it, fucking age. I
2: wish they had that sign in to confirm your age uh, situation for Dalia's uh, DMs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, shit. Guys, I feel like the squirtle on the table right now. Wow. <laughs> oh. Fucking A, dude. That's oh, how I feel. Well, like, <laughs> you hate to see it.
3: Long night. <laughs> we, got a, we got a dope guest today.
2: What do you guys say we shut the fuck up and bring our guest. up? Yeah, on? let's do it. All right, yeah. Ro- Ross Edgley. This is going to be crazy. Dude. Wow. Heard about this dude. He was on Rogan. Yeah. Rogan. episode 1200. Because
3: well, he's he's running across the world with logs on his back, swimming across the world doing biking. What, what, why? What's going on with this guy? That's I got to hear more, dude. Ross, because he does all these crazy things. I, I was watching a video and how do I even do? It? Ran a marathon pulling a 1.4 ton car. The media dubbed it the world's strongest marathon. He climbed a rope the height of Everest. Where'd they get that rope? Where'd he, they get that he, rope? He climbed a rope. He just climbed the rope, the, the height of Mount Everest, ran a thousand miles barefoot in a month, carrying a 50 kilogram backpack, Completed an Olympic distance trial on carrying a 100-pound tree. Ran 31 marathons in 31 days on a treadmill in his kitchen. Trialing different recipes. At what fucking point? Look at this guy. Swam over 100 kilometers across the Caribbean Sea pulling a 100-pound tree. Swam nonstop for 48 hours at the Commando Training Center. So this this
2: dude, well, why don't we just have him swim? But his big, but his biggest one is this latest one, though. Oh swam 2,000 miles the entire di- – he swam around the U- – Around England, right? Was that what it was? This dude's a psychic. You know what He's he should a- do? He should swim around England with Belle Delphine on his back. Whoa! Whoa. And then they could sell the the water as like her bathwater. Amazing repackages. Yeah, anything Jemima's. in their wake, way
3: just, strong. You bottle it up. Wow. All right, so I'm I'm in a Zoom call. Let's go. Oh, are we in? I can't believe. Is, it is that works? what? We're here. We're here, brother. How are you? Mate, I'm good. Ask things. How you doing? Amazing. Amazing, brother. Probably not as good as you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Ask things over there. What's, what's the situation at the minute? Feeling good?
3: Oh, no. Nope. Fucked. Country's gone to shit. <laughs> uh, we're all confused about the coronavirus and America's racist.
0: So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, there, but You have a horse, but you have horses. Gotcha. So that's good.
3: Two horses. Uh, that I actually not to not to get crazy sentimental here, I dropped them off at my ranch yesterday and it was one of the best moments of my life.
1: It was
3: way beautiful. We we oh. released them into the pasture. They started running. I looked at my beautiful girlfriend and I was just like, This is it, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> This is it. <laughs> you're
0: doing well, Logan. Like, you're winning. You're Thanks. winning.
3: Thank you, brother. I'm trying. Uh, so I got my, my my co-host Mike to the left of me, my co-host Matt oh. to the right of me, and uh, amazing the infamous, legendary Ross Edgley. We just oh. went over some of your uh, statistics and some of the things you've done, my man. I don't know how. Are you a human being?
1: <laughs> That's a
0: good start. No, no, no. Oh, you're kind. No, no, no. I'm just. I got a niche skill set, like the, the swim. I'm just good at floating and eating honestly like that's that's my like superpower that's all it was it was just an eating competition with a bit of swimming thrown in that yeah. was that was it yeah i like honestly. i like how
3: humble you're being right and also <laughs> you know i it's it's fascinating to me how i meet these dudes who like yo? You go on this guy's Instagram. He, he's the he's the dude you'll ever see in your life. You come out here. You're the nicest guy I've ever met. In my life. Sitting in his kitchen,
2: <laughs> drinking a drinking a bit of tea. No, dude, that's a cup of nails. For <laughs> yeah, it's a cup of nails. <laughs> so, bro, you so oh.
3: what, what, what? The last feat that you did. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was the, it was the two thousand miles. The two thousand miles. That was swim? right.
0: That was right. Yes. Yeah, so the the swim yeah. around Great Britain.
3: Okay. And, yeah. And, and so you just go to floating.
0: That was basically no it was I mean that was an idea that went like terribly right or wrong depending on how you looked at it but um Mm. yeah it was it was like a sportsman's bet basically uh (laughs) that a friend of mine we 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 ended up catching up uh, we had the Royal Marines here in England and uh I basically I did a 48 hour swim just to see where I was at in terms of training so I'm like 180 kilometers and I got out and I had like trench foot basically so it's where your hands and your feet and everything they've just got so much moisture in that they're they're going moldy, basically. Ugh. And I, I was, yeah, like it was, it was a bad, bad place. I'm sitting there and I'm putting talcum powder on and I'm trying to basically like, you know, nurse my wounds. And yep. then um, one of the Royal Marine officers came over to me and was just like, uh, he said like, uh, you boy. He goes, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I'm, I said, I'm training. I, I'm training for the world's longest current neutral swim, which is like a swim somewhere like Bermuda, where yep. it's like current neutral. He just looks me up and down and he said, um, can I be honest with you, young man? I said, yeah, yeah, please do. And he went, that just sounds a bit shit. I, said, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, so what do you want me to do about it? And he said, mate, you, you just need to man up and swim around Great Britain. So I was like, all right, fine. Shook <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> his hand
1: she and I was like, right, I'll,
0: see you, I'll see you when I get back. And then I got back 157 days
2: later Wait, sorry, like, wait, whoa, well, slow down. So, so you shook 100? his hand and you just jumped in the fucking water and <laughs> swam around Great Britain? Is that what you're saying to me right now? <laughs> Basically. So how, how it works is you swim like
0: six hours on, six hours off. So you work with the tide and then against the tide. So it doesn't matter if the tide changes at 2 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like you just get in. And um, yeah, there was times when I was scraping like a thin layer of ice off my wetsuit before I could <sighs> put it on. Just had to crack it, basically. Um, also, as well, like, you, I don't know if you know, but you get something called salt tongue. So the, the human body is not meant to be in the water for this amount of time. Yeah. So I'm swimming, you know, 12 hours a day, 157 days. Uh, swimming, swimming, swimming. Um, I remember after two weeks, the, the salt water takes all the moisture from uh, your tongue. So oh. it, it basically starts to rot. Uh, I'm <laughs> sitting in the galley in the kitchen, and, and the, the cook's, and she's made, like, this amazing vegetable soup you know, we're all chowing down like that. And I look over to the captain and it was this vegetable soup. And I looked over and I noticed that mine had like pork or chicken in it or something. And I'd said, how come yours hasn't got pork or chicken? How come mine's just got meat in? And he just leant over into my bowl. He said, that's not pork or chicken. That's your
1: tongue. dude god (laughs) dang
0: so you know if if you find yourself in a similar situation coconut oil because it it lubricates bro if i find myself in a situation where my tongue is now the main ingredient
2: of a soup i'm not gonna be asking what oil to put on i'm gonna go to the hospital bro (laughs) wait so wait so is that would you because i was gonna ask you what the hardest Part of this journey was would that would would your tongue being a, a, a an accoutrement to a soup be the hardest part or what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Mike, you're right. Like yeah, leaving parts of my tongue like around Great Britain, that's that wasn't pleasant. But probably the worst. Um, there, there's the, it's called Corio in Scotland. It's a giant whirlpool, one of the biggest whirlpools in the world. And uh, they were like, look, you know, ships have gone down, people have lost their lives. This is no joke. Like you I swim and you swim hard. So I was like, all right, cool, no worries. I'm swimming like that. And as I swim, I'm looking at my watch and I'm checking. I've got to swim for six hours through this giant whirlpool. So I'm swimming, I'm swimming. As as I'm going through like that, I get stung by a jellyfish. They've got these giant jellyfish in Scotland, about five meters long. Wow. (laughs) Bad, like, just like... The, the best way I can describe it to you is like, imagine someone's got a hot poker and they're just pressing it against your face. Cause it was, it was at night as well. So I couldn't even see.
1: <sighs> I
3: actually have the so. picture here. I opened up the, the brief that you guys sent me. And by the way, oh. great brief, <laughs> great brief, dude, the, the um, file titles are hilarious. Oh. <laughs> 15,000 calories a day. Arm of jellyfish to face giant jellyfish swimming Scotland. in poo. Scott, salt tuck, swimming in poo.
2: Yeah. Shout, shout out to the guys of at foot. Shout out to the guys at gym shark for putting that together because they did a great job on that. Ross, this, this yeah. is,
3: this jellyfish is bigger than me.
2: Oh, you've got it there. You can see yeah, it now. We're right looking here. at it right now. It's, this
3: is huge.
0: Right. So, so it was one of those basically lion's mane And, and like it basically, when you're swimming at night, you know, you can get one of those, like it's, you just get, like there's no other way to describe it. You just basically motorboat a jellyfish, just smack straight <laughs> to the face. <laughs> I'm swimming, I'm swimming through the Corrie but I can't stop because it's a giant whirlpool. So I'm swimming as hard as I can. And this jellyfish thing, this one in particular, it, it just won't go away. Like I said, it's like someone's pushing a hot poker onto your face. I'm swimming, I'm swimming for another three hours. I stop and I'm, like, I'm dribbling because my face is now paralyzed. And I turned to Matt, the captain. and I said, Matt, I said, "I'm so sorry." I said, I, j- "I need to stop." I said, "I've been stung by a jellyfish," and I said, "The pain, it won't go away." Oh no! He looked. He looked down at me from the boat, and he just said, "Yes, I know, because it's still wrapped around your face." <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> i have been wearing a jellyfish through the and through what? this world. Is that and then? I <laughs> how, is that, how is that something you miss? I, because I couldn't stop, Logan. If I stopped, I would have been pulled down into the whirlpool. So I just, I couldn't, couldn't stop. So yeah, I'm swimming. Yeah, yeah. It's
3: a tricky situation. I turn around.
0: I, I mean, I won't repeat what I said. I, I pulled away the tentacle, threw it away. And then my face had been stung so bad, it changed shape. So I looked like, you know, the elephant man. And, and then my goggles wouldn't fit back on my face. So I had to punch them Wait, into actually, my eye socket. I have the video was, what here. In, hold on.
3: Hold on.
1: That
0: is not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it it's, it's really a Teabag. Thing. Going it teabag. Te- like, I'm getting the hang of this whole Great great <laughs> swim mark. and then just
3: when I think
2: I've got this whole thing figured out, jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love how you just got fucked in the face by a jellyfish, <laughs> and you're making jokes
3: about it. <laughs>
2: what? What is this? What is this place in Scotland? Because there's a. You're telling me there's a whirlpool. There's giant jellyfish, and I believe is this the same area that the Loch Ness monster supposedly resides oh, yeah. in as well? Yeah, so similar. So, so that's a lot, so that's
0: inland. Okay. So yeah, that all, all exists up there. You've got basking sharks. What the... Like, we, we, uh, we had orcas as well. I remember we got a phone call from a marine biologist and they said, oh, just checking, is, is that guy still swimming around Great Britain? And they were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they went, okay, so we've got good and bad news. And they were like, we've just seen a pod of orcas. So they were like saying, the good news is there's never been a reported case of an orca uh, fatality in, in, in the wild. Like they're so intelligent. They know that you're not a seal. So you, they know you're not on the menu. But they were like, but with that said, if they're going to eat anyone, it's probably Ross because he's spending like 157 <laughs> days in the yeah, sea. Yeah, just statistically. And so exactly. Yeah. And then they were like, just try to look less like a seal. And I was like, bulked <laughs> up at that point. Hair. I was like, how do you look less like a seal? <laughs> so I'm swimming, <laughs> avoiding jellyfish. And now orcas thinking like, this is a terrible way to spend the summer. I, uh,
3: but, um, I, I commend you because I, I, I'm one of the people that can't swim in deep water because, because of stuff like that. Like orcas. Ah, no, <laughs> I, no, I'm not yep. going to fuck with those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, and this is what I've been so keen to chat to you guys about, like since coming back on land and everyone said like, you know, why did you do it? I think what's been so good you know, Mike, you mentioned Gymshark. One thing that's so good, we've been speaking to like the sports psychiatrist there, almost trying to figure out like what was going on inside my own head. And one thing that if you look back through history as humans, we've always been going on these pilgrimages, these, these like, you know, I call it an okugaki. I lived with some uh, Japanese monks in them. Um, uh, we basically, Yamabushi uh, monks, you go on a pilgrimage out there, you do a marathon a day in the mountains and you meditate under ice cold waterfalls. And the reason you do this is it's kind of like Einstein. Adversity introduces you to you. You know, you realize this honest version of yourself. You remove your ego yep. because you're just absolutely battered yep. physically and mentally. And I think the reason I want to chat to you guys and, and Logan specifically with the, with the boxing, I think for you at the time watching that whole journey, a lot of people are like, why is he doing it? He's got all this money. He doesn't yeah. have to do it. You know, Mike, similarly as well, when you just had like a really cool job, successful at marketing, why uproot and move? Yeah. There's this idea of going on a pilgrimage, an Okugaki, that, you know, even looking at Maasai warriors going out and hunting a lion, you know, the Aborigines going walk about, it's a rite of passage. Right. I suppose I wanted to ask, did, did you feel something similar? Because a lot of people are like, why swim around Great Britain? And I'm like, why not? We've been doing it through history. Are you experienced <laughs> something like in a weird way? Did you get
3: that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But oh, the, th- <clears throat> the things that I've done, um, I feel like are dwarfed by the, the feats that, <laughs> that you've accomplished because you're really pushing yourself from what it seems anyways, to, to the brink, it, mm-hmm. like right up to the edge of, of what you're capable of. And I'm not even sure if that's true, but for me, I love chaos. I love throwing myself in environments that are going to make me uncomfortable stuff. I'm not good at. And then I love the idea of growth. If, if mm. you can, if you can always leave room to be better and, imp- and gain a skill, improve in some capacity, I think your life is going to be, <coughs> uh, fulfilling for the entire time. And that's what happened yeah. with boxing. It was just a new challenge to, to overcome. And it, it changed my life. Like I found out and discovered so much about myself as a human. Like what you said is, is, you you beat the shit out of yourself. You put yourself mentally and physically through these insane challenges, and you just strip off the layers. So the first one to go is ego for me. Every time I do uh, physical, like I, we did a at the beginning of the year, what was it like a seventy two hour marine uh, uh, yeah. army tra- challenge tra- training? Yeah, and uh, the first one to go is the ego because me, you know, I got a big fucking mouth. I'm always like. I can do anything. I'm the fucking most baddest. And I'm not. (laughs) And uh, so then ego. And then it's like uh, humility. And you discover who you really are in the face of adversity.
0: Yeah, it's exactly that. But even looking at like, and this gets a bit deep, but when you start looking at like Aristotle, when he starts talking about eudaimonia, you know, this idea because they believed, the ancient Greeks were like, happiness is a bad word because it kind of just means that you should be happy with no suffering, no labor. You mm. shouldn't have to struggle to get there. Whereas with eudaimonia, Aristotle used this term because he's like, no, you know, you need to earn it. There should be struggle. There should be like some form of suffering to get there. It's this idea that right now, if you, know, you were handed a million pounds, you'd probably be happy. You'd be like, wicked, I've got yep. a million pounds. But it's not eudaimonia. And it's this whole idea Aristotle said that you know, happiness without fulfillment is failure. And it's Mm. one thing that I've always found that, you know, with everything that I've done, when I've done, uh, you know, swam for 157 days around Great Britain, um, I did a a, a triathlon um, with a hundred pound tree on my back, uh, raising loads for charity. (laughs) We know, we know. (laughs) Yeah, this, But that was, it was, I was in pursuit of eudaimonia. And I think it's so interesting that you just said exactly what you did, where you were suffering. I mean, I'm a massive fan of the the podcast and I loved uh, Ryan Garcia, other Chuck athlete, obviously. But um, also Chuck Liddell and drawing a a comparison between what those two said. When you said to Chuck, why did you do it? Was it the money? Was it fame? You were huge at the time. And he just said, I just love fighting. It It was the process. It was eudaimonia. It was... Intrinsic motivation, where the process is its own reward. Absolutely, and Ryan said something similar.
3: The most successful people we've talked to on the show iterate that same idea, and 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 I I preach this all the time. Like, happiness is not a destination; it is a journey. It is an ever changing quest. And you and I, I don't love the idea of trying to find happiness. Um, if you can, if you can do these little accomplishments and and, and complete tasks in your life, uh, both through struggle and failure specifically, you're going to come out that much more well-rounded of a person.
0: That is exactly it. And that, that's one thing as well. I think that whole idea of, you know, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation that, you know, on the swim, I remember coming back down the other side of Scotland, just thinking, like, if I finish this and no one's there, there's like the media don't care. There's, there's you know, there's no records. No one, no one cares. It's just like my mom, my dad, my girlfriend, we have a pizza. Yeah. Like, will that be okay? <laughs> and you know, for, for me, I was just like, yeah, like I just want to be a weird old man who goes anywhere on the coast in Great Britain now and just stands there in my trunks going, I swum around there. That's, like, all so, sick. All the Andre, that's
3: so sick.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so and, and I think sometimes identifying that before you go on the journey is so important because when you started the boxing, you know, you were like, Am I doing this for the right reasons? And there's no right or wrong reason. Yep. But I think if you say I'm doing it for money. I'm doing it for gold medals. I know a lot of my friends who were Olympians who were just like, I'm just doing it for a gold medal. I, I don't care. I don't yeah. even like the sport. I'm doing yeah. it for a gold medal. Damn. I'm like, cool. As long as you know that, <laughs> but don't, but, and I love what you said, remove the ego. Don't lie to yourself because when you're there, getting punched in the face, when you're swimming around and your tongue's falling off and you've got jellyfish, like mm. bagging you and wet willy in you in the ear, yeah. <laughs> they, you know, you're for doing sure. an intrinsic Ross, extrinsic. Ross, Ross you sure. seem
2: like a very philosophical man. What are you thinking about when you're on these challenges?
0: Do you know, do you know what, like, that's what's strange in that I think every single tide and every single day you can use something different. It's almost like, you know, changing the channel on your head, mm-hmm. you know, that you've got to find a new, uh, something that's quite potent, you know, mm-hmm. some thought that's going to take you away and you can just think about it. Again, you guys are not, you know, sparring, running, anything where you're just in that hurt locker. But I think what was interesting for me is. Sometimes if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so Maslow's hierarchy, this idea of a pyramid, and at the base of that pyramid, you've got your physiological needs. So food, water, warmth, sleep, you know, the, you're know, you basically like a caveman yep. there at the base. As you move up, you've got your social needs. So you've got kind of like friends, family, connections. As you move up even further, you've got prestige, a feeling of accomplishment, mm-hmm. you know, job security. And then as you move up at the very top, you've got self-actualization, which is this idea of being like the best version of you. And for me, it was weird because I would like basically go up and down this all the time in that sometimes, you know, you could say to me, oh, Ross, self-actualization, you know, this is amazing, you know, intrinsic motivation. And I'll be like, yes, that's, that's amazing. But other times I'm sitting there, my tongue's falling off. (laughs) I literally don't care about like any of those higher purposes. I'm here. I'm at the base of the pyramid. I'm thinking I want to sleep. I want food and I want to still
2: have a tongue when this finishes, <laughs> yeah. but I'm there. Did you live, so it, did you live in that spot the whole time? Cause I've never obviously <clears throat> done anything at the, at the same level as you, but as a, as an endurance athlete in cycling, I've always found that, that time that you spend in, uh, uh, in that exercise can actually be really fluid for your mind. And you actually have great, uh, there's been so many times where I've been on the bike at mile 60, mile 70, mile 80, where I'm like, I have to pull over and write this down right now. Did you ever get those blasts of uh, uh, um, ideation or concept and you're like, yo, I need to tell somebody this right now? hundred
0: percent. And I think we've lost that a little bit. Like Plato talks about it. You know, Plato, although he influenced <laughs> Western philosophy as yeah. we know it today, Plato, his name, it, that was his nickname. It meant broad shoulders. He was a great wrestler. And I think we've lost that, that like, I love what you just said there because it's this idea of being a, a scholar athlete. Um, And I forget who said this now, and I'm going to kind of butcher this this quote. It wasn't Plato, (laughs) but they said um, the problem with society is that too often if you have your fighting done by soldiers and your thinking done by uh, politicians, you have your fighting done by idiots and your thinking done by cowards. Mm. You know, it was this idea you need to use the two. You need to be a scholar athlete, you know, and that was one thing that I think I found, that I did some of my best writing around Great Britain. because. You, you, I was left alone with my own thoughts for twelve hours a day. That, know, so that's it, powerful. It's so that's so powerful.
3: Like, yeah, I think people highly underestimate the uh, the power of their own minds. Like maybe, maybe people are fearful of uh, how how strong their mental capacity truly is. Like what's that one quote? Uh, our, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate; it's that we're powerful beyond measure. Um, and I've been trying to find more time to be alone and, and sit and rest with my thoughts. Cause agree. Like there's, there's so much that goes on in your own brain and you can pull so much just out of you. And once you do yeah. that and you're on like the fourth rung of the hierarchy of needs and self-actualization, I think yeah. that's, I think that's a crucial part of discovering out who you are and who the best version of yourself is.
0: percent, and it, And it goes to some weird places. I mean, also to come back to that question, what I thought about sometimes when swimming, I think what would get weird is I actually, not not sound morbid, but I started to research um, prisoners of war and how they were coping. And there was this one mechanism uh, It was called the Stockdale Paradox. Uh, Admiral Stockdale basically was a prisoner of war for seven years in Vietnam, tortured, horrific conditions, um, but never gave up any intel or anything. And afterwards, when they said, like, how, how did you survive? Like, everyone else was crumbling around you. But you remained so stoic and strong. How did you do it? And he just said... You know what he could see the people coming in who would crumble he could literally he would point at them and go he, he's not going to make it and they said why and he said because it's this kind of dual thought process he said you cannot lose sight of hope like you will be out this will be over it will finish but equally at the same time you have to face up to your current reality and it's this dual approach that you know everybody listening can experience it. if you're running You've got to think, okay, this will be over. Your legs will stop hurting at some point. The same when I was swimming. I was at Margate, which is where my finish was. Yep. It will finish. And I will eventually swim around Great Britain. There's hope. But equally, my current reality is, you know, I've got a jellyfish on my face. You know, <laughs> and I've got, I've got to face up to yeah, that. Yeah. And, it's, and too often, and this is what Stockdale said, he said you had these optimists who just came in. They were like, we'll be out by Christmas. Christmas would come. Christmas would go. They'd be crushed. We'll be out by Easter. You know, it's going to be over. The war's going to be over gone and they'd slowly break down where Stockdale was just like hey look as long as this takes is I'm here it will be over but I'm also in my current reality uh. and so that's one thing as well that I I mean my girlfriend's amazing I've been with her seven years and she basically saw her boyfriend she would come on every sort of few weeks and just see me getting hairier like fatter <laughs> um, I was like you know I obviously I, I couldn't stop as well when I was swimming so I was just going to the toilet in my wetsuit so I was just, you know, I smelled, I smelled, well, piss. <laughs> I just pissed
2: myself.
1: Bro, you I,
0: know,
3: have a, just... I have a picture of you after your one year at sea.
2: Oh my,
0: goodness.
3: damn. <laughs> a weathered man. <laughs> you look like a uh, salt field.
0: <laughs> I look like a chubby Santa Claus, like at sea. <laughs> Like a salty soap, But you see what I mean now? So my girlfriend saw me now and then, you know, that was what I finished with. She's like, who is so, this guy?
3: Who is this guy? Ross? Is, is that you?
1: you? Uh,
0: this is exactly it. S- Smelling of urine as well. That that was how I rocked out of the sea. <laughs> so you think about these things of like, you know, you have these epiphanies and these romantic ideals. But no, that was that was my current reality. And I love how we've talked about this idea of like sometimes mm. it's not a romantic ideal swimming around No, like, it's suffering. It's eudaimonia. That, that's what <laughs> eudaimonia looks like, as, yeah. as scary as it is to look
3: at. <laughs> my two, uh, and again, not to, not to compare, but uh, my two things that I go to when I'm trying to escape, maybe escape isn't the right word, but uh, forego the reality of whatever shitstorm I'm going through is I'll, I'll really try to separate my mind from my body. Whether it's uh, you know a ten minute ice bath, whether it's the four hours of boxing training, the ten mile jogs, um, I try to visualize why I'm doing it. Did you ever do that? Like when I'm when I'm running on the treadmill, when I'm running on a track, and it's pitch black, the lights are off, and it's me and Mac, and mm. the only ones are on the track on like a Friday night. I go, why am I doing this? And I I kept picturing um, my hand getting raised. In the boxing match, mm-hmm. my hand getting raised and, and my opponent crumpling to the floor and all my dreams coming true. And none of, none of
0: them did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I argue with that. I think they did though. I think you got, from I, I think you got from the whole boxing thing that what you wanted, I think with retrospect, you've looked at it now. It's been great to see your journey, but I think you got everything you wanted for regardless sure. of the outcome. For sure. For sure. And that's, and that's what I think is important. And people sometimes I think that was one thing on the swim when people were going. When will you finish? Will it be a hundred days? You and I was like, "It's, it's. You have to get philosophical about it. You're like, I'll finish when Mother Nature lets me finish. Oh, you know, yeah. I'll. And I think it was the same with you that success probably looked very different now to what you thought it would. Yeah, you oh, got yeah. what you wanted. Oh yeah. Well, because yo, you and, you train for
3: this thing, and you come up short technically. Is life over? Or did you? Is that is that is that a win? And it turned mm. out just like time and time again your failures are going to be the biggest wins in your life. In retrospect, like, you know, I'm sure you've learned much more from the times you didn't make it around Great Britain.
0: Oh, 100%. Oh, there's been some, oh, you're right. Look, I'm glad you asked it because there's been some awful ones. I remember I tried to swim uh, from Martinique to Saint Lucia, so between two Caribbean islands, mm. with a tree attached to my trunk. <laughs> we we're raising money for charity. How do you I come up with this so-
1: stuff,
2: man? Ross, <laughs> <laughs> so Ross, I, I want—I gotta no. ask you too because I asked this before the show. How, how do you choose which tree? What,
3: Johnny?
1: Because, choose? like, is it like Christmas? <laughs> is
2: it like Christmas tree hunting? Where you're like, Dad, I want that. Like, how do you say this is the tree I want to swim eighty thousand miles with? <laughs>
0: No, it's good. So there's different, obviously different trees, and then like, so you're looking at buoyancy, but also it's kind of drag. So you want it to be nice, but sometimes if you get it to be like too much like a missile. There was times when I was swimming and I would basically like cruise over a wave and dip under it. But if I did that, I know that there's now a hundred pound tree, basically like coming for me. And sometimes it would sometimes it would overtake me, which is the best case scenario. But other times I mean it caught me between the legs it took off my toenails oh, at one point oh, it that's just a, went bang that's a big
2: tree So there's like a science right. to it
0: <laughs> Yeah no, there is No there is genuinely if you if honestly if you if you guys are ever in England you want to come and do a triathlon I will find you all a Is, tree. That, is there a term uh, triathlon a tri- Did you coin that triathlon oh, I mean that, yeah that was that was the first Triathlon. It was the world's <laughs>
2: first triathlon. You got your own terms <laughs> now, Ross. Ross, how do you come up with your your next challenge? Like what's the, what's the thought process? How do you decide? <laughs> do You know, what?
0: I, again, I'm actually glad you asked just because I think there's always been an element of doing it for charity and I've always loved that. Mm-hmm. Um I think with the GB swim, like the so swimming around Great Britain, it was it was slightly different in that I grew up with my granddad and my dad like telling me stories of Captain Webb. Um, so for those who don't know, um, 1875, and they said you cannot swim across the English Channel. They were like, it just can't be done. The water's too cold, tides are too strong, can't be done. Uh, but Captain Webb, who was a Navy officer you know at the time, was just like, no, 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 no like hold my beer. And he just rocks on down to, to Dover <laughs> in England, looks across to France. And this is the bit that I love. On a diet of beef broth and brandy in a woolen yeah. wetsuit, he just smashed breaststroke all the way across. Because at the time, front crawl was ungentlemanly-like. So he just did that, (laughs) smack, just nailing like brandy and beef broth. Did it in something like 26 hours, I believe. The current record's like six or five. So that's, you know, took him 26 hours, just smash, like everyone going, it can't be done, it can't be done but he just crushed it all the way across.
1: Don't drink so, and
3: swim from- is what they say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's why it took so long. <laughs> he's fl- bro, just like he's definitely floating on his back, <laughs> fucking pounding
3: grand. He's like, he's saying so bad.
0: <laughs> just floating along. So bro, there was that idea that it was like, it was it was my Captain Webb moment. You know, it was like, it was like long after I'm gone, I just like that my grandchildren, great-grandchildren will be like, look, did you know what my nutty great-granddad? Is like? <laughs> <laughs> but, but now... It's changed. And I think now, like, I realize that I want to do something for, for a higher purpose. I think, you know, what you guys are doing, I'm not just saying it. Everything that you, that's going on in America right now with what you're doing with your platform is amazing. And I love that you're doing something for a higher purpose. And I think I'm almost searching for that in some ways. That Maslow's hierarchy, I'm at the top. So we have some weird meetings at, at Gymshark now where I'm there going, you know, guys, like, you know, get me a cause. I'll put my goggles on and I'll just go and like motorboat. Jellyfish again. If it's not <laughs> <my purpose. laughs> so right now we're throwing around some ideas, um, but it's changed basically, is what I'm saying. Because I, there was, like I said before, I make no bones about it. It was just like Royal Marine officers going swimming around Bermuda, shit, swim around <laughs> Great Britain, yeah. and I was like, fine, you know. So it's changed a little bit. I, yeah. I,
3: I think we'd all love to uh, get involved with whatever you do next. Uh, th- I mean, this this stuff is fascinating. I'm, I'm just like reading some of the stuff you did. And- <laughs> Ran a marathon pulling a one point four ton car. We talked about the you climbed climbed the the rope, the height of Mount Everest. Like,
1: oh
0: yeah. At what point? At what? At what point? why? 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 (laughs) (laughs) So that was actually. I mean, the 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 car marathon. That was that was weird. That came around because um, I we were basically sitting around with loads of my friends. My friend who's who's fine now, but he was diagnosed with cancer at the time. And for those who don't know, in England. If you were diagnosed uh, with cancer as a teenager, you were basically tr- treated in the children's ward or the elderly ward, so you were kind of robbed of your teenage years. Uh-huh. Whereas the Teenage Cancer Trust is amazing, and they build these specialist wards. Um, they did that for my friend, and I just wanted to do something to give back. So I was like, "Look, like, why don't we? You know, I'll run a marathon." And then everyone's like, "Ah, oh, it's been done." And then people were like, "Run two marathons, it's like, been done." And then someone was like, "Run thirty-one in thirty-one your
3: days, put a car." Oh, in your that back. was yeah.
0: <laughs> that was it. he's like oh yeah I did that too <laughs> that mm-hmm. was but the rope the rope climb I mean that was for the teenage cancer stroke. that was horrendous I talk about that a little bit um, God, but man. it was it was actually I am um, oh this is a horrible story but my hands because 19 hours of climbing a rope my hands were like that they were like claws and I just lost all the skin on my hands like that so I was but I really needed to go to the toilet so I ended up going to this port type thing those portable like loos and I was, I was in there but I couldn't actually fold the toilet paper once I'd been
1: to, oh, no. to essentially
0: to essentially wipe my own bum. So I'm sitting in there and I and I can't even pull my trousers up. <laughs> and then God bless him, this old guy in the, the, the toilet next to me just said, Are you all right in there, young man? You know, can I give you a hand? And I said, like, mate, I'm so sorry, dude. No, <laughs> no, no. But I said, I, I can't wipe my own bum. I said, have been <gasps> I've been I've been priming this rope for charity. And he just was like, no problem. And then with that, it went deadly silent. It went deadly silent. No, 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 it's not as bad as you think. (gasps) And then he ended up folding the the toilet paper and posting it under the thing so I could actually... No, no, no. I felt I had to, like, he didn't wipe my bum. I wait, wait. So there's, but again, you know, that, that sense afterwards of just with all of those stories, one, it's nice to sit around and obviously, you know, chat to you guys about it, but two, to do it for a higher purpose that we know that there's going to be times when we're old, we're all sitting in rocking chairs
2: and our bodies will have like they won't be capable of this stuff. Yeah. That's me right now, <laughs> man. That's me right now, Ross. Yeah, we're right about the same age. Actually, he's a little bit younger. I, I looked it up on the way in. Ross is
3: one year younger, dude. Yeah, one year won- younger. Look at the difference uh, between you <laughs> and him, buddy.
2: <laughs> hey, we both got big smiles on our face, right? True. That's all that matters. True, true. Hey, Ross, I selfishly I'm cu- I'm curious. There's been one marathon that was not listed on this uh on this Gymshark PDF and one that doesn't get talked about very much when it comes to marathons. But you wrote a book, The Art of Resilience, which is a marathon in its own right. And <laughs> yes. I, I, I guess I guess, selfishly, as, a, as an author myself, I'm, I'm curious oh. as to what that marathon was like for you and how it compared. Oh, bless
0: you. You got it. Oh, guys. Oh, yeah,
2: we got yeah, it. We got it. Do you know what I think was
0: so good? And Mike, like you'll relate to this, but this whole idea of doing something and then retrospectively, you're trying to reverse engineer and deconstruct it. So exactly with everything that you've been through in your life and now your book, you're trying to make sense of it retrospectively. And that was kind of the same that when people were saying like, how did you continue? You know, I was like, I don't know. At the time I was just doing it. But now what's so nice in the book is just kind of just to say, there was nothing special about me. Like these these mechanisms and strategies that we're talking about now are available to all of us. Yes, And even, even the greatest adventurers like, and it sounds weird, but, like, food became such a big factor. This, this idea of food being such a motivator that, you know, you'd be thinking, oh, we've we got pizza, we've we got ice cream on the boat. Um, there was a story about Shackleton, um, one of the greatest explorers to ever exist. And um, him and his men, when their when uh, uh, endurance, their boat went down, um, there was a story about how to boost morale. Uh, he kept uh, a Christmas pudding in his sock um, and then, you know, at the time when everyone was like really hanging and they were like, look, we're really in trouble. He just whipped out this Christmas pudding. We we're like, "Wee, there we go, boys. You know, just lifted morale. <laughs> so there's, there's, you know, there was these strategies that looking back and the Stockdale paradox. Um, but equally, sometimes, and I call it like the science of a smile. Like it, it's only just now that we're understanding how your cognitive health and well-being will impact on performance and also your yes. immune system. You know, mm. immune biological markers. Yeah. Again, looking back at performance, there was a study done. Um, I think it was Frontiers of Neuroscience, Journal of, uh, uh, Journal of Frontiers of Neuroscience, where they talked about they had cyclists. And again, you'll get this with your background, but cycling to complete exhaustion. And as they did this, they showed them small subliminal cues. So subliminal meaning it barely registered on a conscious level. And they showed them either pictures of people smiling or frowning. And what they did after this, they found emphatically that those people who were shown these like subliminal working on a completely subconscious level, pictures of people smiling were actually going further and had a, a greater resistance to fatigue than those who were frowning. And it's just something now that looking at um, cheerfulness in the face of adversity, that's a motto with the British Royal Marines, but also as well, even looking at like the Navy SEALs when they start talking about, you know, the 40% rule, you know, that when you're absolutely done and you think you can't go on, actually you're only at 40%. Mm. You know, so there's all these strategies that we talk about in the book that at any given time, use it. And if it doesn't work, if the 40% rule doesn't work for you, science of a smile, if that doesn't work, get a something pudding. else if that doesn't work. Yeah.
2: And so it was probably a cathartic process for you to, to go back through the events slowly and methodically and scientifically, because similarly to what you said, when I had the opportunity to write my book and everybody had questions, how did you do it? How did you get out of this cycle of this and cycle of that? I would always say the same thing. I don't know. I kind of just did it. But then when it yeah. came time to sit back down and write the story, it gave me hours and hours and hundreds of hours to sit and think. What tactics did I actually use to get it done? And 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 to touch on the science of the smile, we talk about that on this show a lot. We we've, we've been talking about that forever. If you if you simply look at the way others treat you in a very micro moment, based on the on the uh, expression on your face, a smile will ten times out of ten. Get you a better or more beneficial reaction than a than a frown or a straight face hundred
0: percent yeah even even recently with Kip chogi with the sub two hour marathon I mean, I don't know if you mm. saw that, but they said you know it's really weird that when most athletes really start struggling, you had this almost like you know, smile on his face. And again, actually, I I love Kipchoge because when you you speak to him before the sub two hour marathon, everyone was going, are you going to do it? Like, are you going to do it? Are you going to break the record? What will it mean to make history? You know, think of the money that you're going to make sponsorship. And I love that he turned around and he just went, my job is to run a beautiful race. And if that's under two hours, then great. Mm. But if not, then that's fine as well. So he was always going to win because his goal was just intrinsic. It was to run a beautiful race. So afterwards, when everyone was like, oh, he'd just be like, doesn't matter. But that, that same concept, and the, the other one that I talk about in the book actually is um, Emil Zatepek. So, not enough people know about him, in my opinion, the greatest endurance runner to ever exist. Three gold medals, Helsinki Olympics. Um, but one thing about Emil Zatopek, he came from a military background. And um, this one blows my mind as well. Like you guys will understand this with your athletic background. He used to run 100, 400 meter sprints as intervals. So, next oh, time you go to an athletics oh, track, God. just look. And think, yeah, that hundred with like thirty seconds rest in between. Wait, I'm sorry, I think, so I, his, I, think
3: I heard this wrong. What did you say? A hundred,
0: a hundred, four hundred meter
3: sprint.
1: Shut the. F-
0: he w- a marathon, essentially, break. sprinted a marathon for intervals. You know, so it's this. Like, people at the time, as, as well, said like we didn't know the human body could actually go like. that. They were like, that's just overtraining. They didn't know you could work that hard. But Emil Zatopek, as well, you have got to think military background, and this is what I love as well intrinsically motivated that people don't understand. His wife was an amazing javelin thrower and date night for them. She would basically go out and just be pinging this javelin and he'd just <laughs> run and go and get it like a dog chasing <laughs> a stick and be like, there you go, babe. And she'd just be like, pinging it like this. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so he just, he did it for the love. Yep. But my, my final mm. story with Zatapex, sorry, just to wind up, was um, the, when he won three gold medals at the Helsinki Olympics, um, he'd never run a marathon before in his life. Not a full marathon. And he'd won uh, the uh, 5,000, 10,000, I believe. And then he turned to his coach and he said, um, he, goes, I, uh, he goes, I think I run marathon tomorrow. And his coach was just <laughs> like, no, but you've never run a marathon before. And he goes, no, he goes, it's okay, it's okay. And there's this documentary and I need, I'll have to send it to you guys. It's amazing. I mean, Emil has since you know, died and there's a British guy who narrates, who was racing against him. The British guy was widely tipped to win. And Emil Zatepec, Turned to his coach and he goes, No, no, no. He goes, It's fine. I, I'm not doing anything tomorrow anyway. He goes, What I, <laughs> <laughs> I do? He goes, What who I do? He goes, Who's the best? And then his coach was like, Oh, for God's sake, Emil. Okay. He's pretty good, the British guy. Everyone thinks he's going to win. And Emil after he goes, Okay. He goes, Brilliant, brilliant. He goes, What I do is like, I run with him. I run with him. He said pace. And then at the end, I go, Boop. And I run around and I win. And he goes, It's okay. <laughs> like that. And, and they were like, But that makes no sense. He goes, It's okay. It's okay. So he starts running and then it cuts to the documentary to the, the british guy and he's sitting there and he goes uh i was running uh, i was running and uh, everything was going well up until this point where i saw a, a shadow on my shoulder <laughs> i turned and uh, I, I looked and it was a I, I, I said to him i said what are you doing and uh was that about he turns to me he goes i am um, excuse me he goes i don't want to uh, interrupt um I've never run marathon before, so I don't know. Is this taste good or bad? And the British <laughs> the, the British guy goes, I, I, you know, he's old now, and he goes, you know, and I'll be honest with you. I thought to myself at the time, you little fuck. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I am gonna stitch you up here. And he says, he him, he goes, Oh no, he goes, This is this is far too uh, far too slow. The, the the pack's gonna catch us up. We're in real trouble, Emil." <laughs> and then with that, Emil Zatepec just goes, okay, no problem. I will finish and see you at the finish line. And he just left.
1: Oh, left wow. him. So, my
0: my The wow. point that I love about that story is if you turn up on the start line with a dude like that, who just loves it. He just loves it. He's not getting up on a Sunday dragging his heels. He just wants to go run. Yeah. You know? And that, for me, is a Ryan Garcia. It's a Chuck Liddell. Yes. It's somebody who is going... I just, I just love it. I just, you know, money. I just, I just love it. I love yep. the process. Yep. And that, that's why I love that story.
3: That is, that's the sweet spot. It's what you just described. It's that perfect balance between finding that thing that you love and the thing that's going to, that's going to make money or, or, uh, help you achieve your goals, whatever it is. That's, I, I, I try to tell people all the time, if you can monetize the thing that you're good at, or at least that you you see yourself being able to be, become good at if you have potential in it that's gonna be that's gonna be the golden the golden area. But my question yeah. to you is this because I heard you say earlier uh, it was something along the lines of you're just like everyone else. You really think that? Because 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 I I may push back a little bit and say <laughs> <laughs> there might be some some uh, biological. Uh, advantages that you may, may or may not have. I'm not making assumptions about your biology, <laughs> biological makeup.
0: <laughs> no, I like genuinely, I, I think that, um, they say that training is the realization of your genetic potential. Mm. So I definitely think that you have, you know, a, a genetic predisposition to be good at something, right. you know? So with me, you know, I've always been quite good at swimming, but there was things like, you know, I was putting away 15,000 calories on the GB oh swim. So God, oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So wait, wait, wait. Like, wait, wait. I'm what, jealous. What, what were you eating? Uh, real quick. It, it, not all of it was healthy, right? There's a lot of junk food, like just shit, right? Is exactly it. I mean, when we got to Scotland, that was where in Dunbar, a town there, they do a uh, battered Mars bar. a battered chocolate. <laughs> Deep fried.
3: Oh, nice. nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I was swimming past there and the people of Scotland are amazing. They heard that I needed 15,000 calories. So I'm swimming. I thought I was like tripping, like sleep deprived or something. I saw this Scottish guy on a jet ski with a bin bag. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was like, mate, dude, thanks. I smashed six of them. So yeah, no, it was, it was, but also as well, it was like what I could tolerate with my tongue. So the uh, real record was, was 649 bananas. That was my total of bananas for the whole. Oh, so, it was soft, so much it was all potassium. Right.
3: Oh.
2: At, but at that, at that point, it doesn't even really matter what you eat. Like you could have ate 100 Mar- battered Mars bars, 52 cheeseburgers, a bunch of fish and chips if, 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 if that's what you want. It didn't matter. Oh. You were still going to walk out with, with abs of fucking steel, dude. <laughs> well, that was what was
0: weird, though. I, I mean, I genuinely didn't like by the end because I needed to put on sea bulk as well. You know, because it was getting colder, it was yeah, getting winter yeah, yeah. I got, I got caught in an Arctic storm coming from Iceland. You know, it, why it not, Yes, yes. So, did you find just, any was, mermaids on that journey?
1: A <laughs> <laughs> like, a couple.
0: There a couple. No, no, no mermaid. But, but quickly on that, there was a a minke whale. Um, and actually, I just want to like say for all of the bad stories about tongues falling off and everything, there was this one story, Bristol Channel. I basically was swimming nonstop for 72 hours to get across the Bristol Channel. And as I was going across, this minky whale uh, basically came over to me and started blowing bubbles in my face. Started, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like swimming under me, breaching next to me. And now I turned to Matt, the captain again. I was like, Matt, I was like, what is going on? I said, do I need to, do I need to get out? Am I safe? And Matt was like, no, no it's a minky whale. You're not on the menu. It's fine, it's fine. I was like, all right, cool. So I carried on swimming. Basically, he turned to me and he said, like, I think what's happening is I think that she's a female and i think that she thinks you're an injured seal so she was like a mum she basically oh. then guided me all the way to wales which is where the the water got a little bit shallower like that so when the minky whale well knew that i was getting a bit shallower and i was heading to land it breached one more time after keeping me like company for miles slapped its tail as if to say like you're safe now and then and then i've never seen her since
2: so, wow that, yeah, is so, and I think, that is so cool. I think it's probably because you were smiling so much, man. You you got escorted by a whale, the whales. Like, what, 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 is, what is the chance of that, dude? <laughs> Incredible. But, yeah,
0: I, mean, I think that's the nice thing that I really take a kick out of and stuff. So, genuinely, if you guys are ever in England, I'd love to take you ice swimming. You know, we can go and, like, hit up some. I'll take you to the Corrie of Econ, like Whirlpool. You'll love it. I, like, would, only love a few to, I would love to, to do that. that. I'm a, I'm I'm a pretty, strong,
2: sw- I'm pretty strong swimmer. I can swim. Pretty well. well you know not not like not like him, dude, or even or even like anybody, but like st- strong enough to stay You're, afloat. You
3: probably swim better than me, honestly. Really? I, Ross, I I oh, you got the big feet.
2: S- oh, paddles. Paddle feet, yeah. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah but, but <laughs> for instance, if we went up to the Penland Firth, for instance, Penland Firth up there, you to, to put this into perspective, even if you can't swim, as like treading water right now, you can do 12 knots. So that's, you know, 10 miles per hour. To give you an what? idea, cruising speed of a dolphin is nine miles per hour. So the currents over the top of scotland they're some of the biggest in the world wow so you will be going fast michael phelps swims at like five knots maybe six you know so you'll be going faster than michael phelps what okay i'm in wait let's let's actually
2: do this (laughs) i i thoroughly mean it like let's let's plan it as soon as we get off the call i can't
3: i can't go under too deep because my sinuses but that's fine at the surface
2: and i'll do some i'll do some biking with you too because i i do i rode bike so i could do i could do a hundred a hundred miles with you
0: all just, I, mean,
2: I would love that, you That's guys. Like if we,
0: up, even like. if we did like a weird like man on weekend, you know, and we just ended up like doing that adversity introduces you to you. You know, we will go do weights down gym shot lifting club, go and smash it in Penland. Firm, hey, we go and find hey, we sh-
2: and maybe invite KSI in the squad to do it with us.
0: <laughs> Mate, that is it. So, you know, Ethan, he's a gym shot. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, honestly, but do a weekend where we're all just like, weirdly, like a rite of passage, you know, like not to get too weird again, but that whole idea of the okugaki, we make a version of that, but it's almost like, this is weird, but like an agogi. So when Spartans were like seven years old, they'd check into an agogi. They were basically given a loincloth and barefoot, and they'd have to just go like run miles on no food. Could you, you know, imagine, imagine the
2: content? Turn into a the Dude, content, if we, if us and the sidemen go to Scotland <laughs> to swim and to bike with Ross Edgeley and they only give us a loincloth. i <laughs> hey, they. I'm telling <laughs> In Scotland, I mean, up there as well, you get the water coming
0: down from like the highlands, the inner Hebrides. I mean, honestly, I have to send you guys pictures. It's stunning. It looks like something out of Avatar. Yes. yes. You start swimming around there and it is freezing. You get okay. choreographed, you get basking sharks, you know, but it's all, but it's fine. Like basking sharks are fine. Like they, they, we're not on their menu, but just to go up there, go and smash some hills on a bike and then go and swim across to the inner Hebrides. You, honestly. There's no better way to spend a winter. You'd love it.
2: I right, well, we're, so we're in. I that. think
3: we're gonna do a Euro trip uh, after the COVID thing is is figured out. <laughs> uh, and oh. yeah, we'll stop by and run up a mountain.
0: Honestly, hundred percent. Like, honestly, I'll get that always e- equally. And this is almost like we talk about this in the book, but this whole idea of like getting wintered. So Epictetus, one of the Stoics is something that we're not doing anymore, but they used to say that the armies, you know, they would fight in the summer, but it's what you did in the winter that would determine how you performed in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone talks about getting their summer body, but I'm here like going, what about your winter body? Yes. Let's go Scotland. Let's go, you know, make friends with some jellyfish and just get wintered you know
3: <laughs> have you have you had a moment where you've been too too wintered like you said uh the navy seals when you when you think you've hit your peak you're at really only 40 percent have you yeah. hit a hundred percent have you had it like 99 even where you're, you're you are on the cusp of quitting
0: so so this gets weird so like you know we do this uh down uh, gym shark we've got sports scientists we do uh, Basically, I'm going to keep this quite short, but we have, um, you have what's called a strength deficit. So a strength deficit is basically where um, you measure your your training strength and your absolute strength. So imagine you've got a um, quad extension machine, you know, so you're measuring yep. the, uh, the, the strength of your quads. Yep. We'd say like in a laboratory, okay, boom, we'd hook like, let's use Mike. We hook Mike up and we oh, go like, like, smelling salts, you know, yes. slapping you on the back. Yeah. And we go, right, Mike, fucking get angry, get angry. And you see how much force you can generate through your quads with you voluntarily contracting it. Got it. So you're just there like getting wired and you do bang, got it, And we measure how much force you generate, strength, your body's ability to generate force. Then what we can do is we can electrically stimulate and involuntary contract your quadriceps. So, what that does, we electrocute you, and then your quadriceps basically will contract like to their full. I just kicked over a chair.
1: <laughs> we'll, we can... Somebody just we contracted can... your quad to quad for <laughs> yeah. you, and you kicked a chair over. <laughs>
0: but we would contract your quadriceps so you don't have any control over it. You would basically just sit there and we electrocute uh, them, uh. we involuntary crack. The difference between those two is what's known as your strength deficit. Now, for some people, it will be a large strength deficit, which means that you've got muscle mass, but you're not using it uh, to the full potential. You're not recruiting all the muscle fibers you have. And then other people will have quite a small deficit. And if you have a small deficit, what you can do then is say, okay, you need to build muscle. You need bulk. Yep. You know, to use a UFC example, I think it's fascinating right now when you look at John Jones trying to go up to heavyweight, people are going, well, just bulk up. No, you need to do that. But understanding your strength deficit, you yep. can't just go up and build this, you know, unfunctional muscle yep. mass. yeah. So to to answer your question, Logan, it gets real interesting that when you start looking, I had quite a small strength deficit. So they said, yeah, you're recruiting quite a lot. I was on smelling salts, you know, (laughs) getting wired. And and, and they were like, oh, yeah, cool. You're recruiting your muscle fibers. Um, And then in terms of cardio, I mean, we, again, you guys would be more than welcome at Loughborough Uni. We do VO2 tests there where you're hooked up like into a horse harness. And they just basically incrementally put it up, put it up. So in the end, we're trying to basically replicate Kipchoge's sub to our marathon pace. Wow. And it will end when you're basically just like dribbling, being sick, being suspended like that from the harness. So to answer your question, yeah, yeah I, I put, pushed it to some like, like pretty dark places yeah, where yeah. I'm dribbling, you know, probably lost control over my bowels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but
1: That's but afterwards
0: in, in lab conditions, you go cool. Now we know where you're at, and then that allows me when I'm swimming. They're looking at my heart rate and everything, and what gym Shark can turn around with all of this biofeedback. They can go, yeah, but you're not. You're not actually at your capacity. Your heart rate's only here. Your VO two, yeah. your lung capacity, we know is here. Right. strength do you, deficit.
2: Do you have any stats that are anomalies, like things that aren't normal of most people?
0: I do. I do, do you know what? It's a good question. Not really, and that's why I do think that. You know, with a lot of the strategy, I'm not, I'm not Michael Phelps. I'm not, I'm five, eight. So it's not like you can say I swam around great Britain because he's got, you know, wingspan like this. Like, I'm, I'm a small guy. I think one thing was probably, um, the food that mm-hmm. I just, I, I could eat 15,000 calories. People were going like, how do you put that away? I was like, how, how do you not like, that's, ins- that's
3: it. insane. That's a, that's a yeah. lot of food. When I was in a uh, training camp for boxing, I think, I think I'm, I maxed maybe six thousand six thousand 6,000 calories a day. Maybe.
0: If clean
3: was, or dirty or like uh, or pretty, pretty like, clean, pretty right. clean pretty pretty stuff. Clean. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, see that
2: but,
0: that's a lot clean. But also, I I I couldn't eat any more than that. I couldn't.
3: Uh, if even if I tried, if someone handed yeah. me a, a McGriddle from McDonald's, I wouldn't be able <laughs> to eat it. Uh, yeah. So, so so I guess what you're saying, like. It, being able to even intake that much food, maybe that's an advantage of
0: yours. <laughs> yeah, Yo, yeah. Yo, honestly, because like the swim, it was weird because it didn't become a swim anymore. It was just like you're trying to control the breakdown of the body, you know, everything, like medically, yeah. you know, I was talking about as well, like wetsuit shaping was so bad. I remember waking up some days and like, like my bed sheets had fused to the, the wounds on my neck. So I had to rip it off before I could even get in. Uh, yeah, so vitamin it was, E on it was, that
1: shit. That's
0: exactly it. And then, and then I think one thing that's so interesting is like training your stomach. Like people are like, what do you mean? And it's like before a fight, before a, a long bike ride, you need to know, like in terms of nutrigenomics. So like, we're only understanding this now, how your nutrition interacts with your individual yep. genetics, mm. your gut biome, all of that sort of stuff. That now it's crazy that there's so many people who would turn up for a marathon having not drilled nutritional strategies. I'm like, how do you not know what works for your stomach? For sure. Whereas, for me like in training I was doing 20k a day swimming with a picnic on the side of the pool so I knew that when I got in and was doing the gb swim I knew exactly what my stomach could and couldn't handle um you know e- even to the point of like seasickness as well I mean there, there was a story in the book that I talk about just quickly but like I I was basically going you know when I talked about the appendant firth and how fast the tides were
1: mm-hmm. up there yeah
0: so basically I'm swimming I'm swimming in the way, and. Yeah, so bad, like the swells are huge up there. So I got real bad seasick. And so with the breath, I turned to breathe. And then I was basically sick underwater. (gasps) And then I turned to breathe at the same time. The problem was, is I was swimming with a tailwind. So these waves were coming behind me. So I quickly realized that the tides and currents were pushing my own sick as fast as I could swim. It was just sticking with you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to outswim uh, my own sick, and it's just I'm just <laughs> bathing in it, like like that, just like with it all washing over me. <laughs> so it's knowing. Was that, that before
3: that or after you swam in the poop? <laughs> and again, that was just, it's, before. Okay,
0: that was before. Okay. So I mean, I was having a rough time, yeah, all yeah. the like. <laughs> <that's awesome. laughs> But yeah, it's, it's knowing that like how your body's going to interact with that. And like I said, getting wintered, it's adversity training that, you know, you've done that. You've gone to those deep waters before you get there, you know? And I think too often people, people won't do that. They won't do those VO2 tests where you're left dribbling. You won't do strength deficit tests, but you need to know what material you're using and what you're working with. You know, yeah. if you've not got a big VO2, cool. At least you know it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to do any sort of uh physical feat, of that magnitude, you definitely got to be as prepared as possible. Cause, oh, cause, yeah. cause I mean, at what point are you quite literally just gambling with your life? Have you, have you felt like a life or death scenario?
0: Yeah. I, do you know what? You're so right. There's been times where it's just like, and, and that's actually the the whole theme of the book where it's, I, I say that resilience is the strategic management of suffering. And what I mean by that is it's not just about kind of going way gung ho and going yep, for it. Yep. It's like, limiting limitations research and restrictions and thinking like is this even safe because yeah there was there was probably like a few times I mean they lost me in the um, in the Caribbean when I was um, towing the tree <laughs> so they lost me at night and I could see them but I was like guys I'm over here and they had the big flashlight like that out and I was like if they don't see me I've got a long way to well I was in between two Caribbean islands so I was, I you know, I was like, yeah. this, this, this doesn't end well for me. Fortunately, they found me. But yeah, there's been a few times, uh, you know, shouting out, not knowing if it was a shark, a dolphin, um, <laughs> you know, a whale. You know, that then you have got to make peace with the fact that it's like this is it, within the hierarchy of the sea. If that was my time to go, there's probably not a lot I could do about it. If a shark was like, dude, you're oh, gonna man. fight off
3: a shark. If anyone's gonna
1: punch a shark in the face and win, it's you. That's not even a question. Well,
3: have you gone through um, a situation like that in your head? Are you fully prepared to duke it out with a shark if need be?
0: Yeah, it gets your mind goes to some weird places. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So when I talked about like being left alone with my own force for like 12 hours a day, yeah, all of a sudden you see something out the corner of your eye, and you're just like. But, but if, and what's crazy is if I kept on getting out and stopping, going, Oh shit, get the light. Was that a shot? Was it not? I'm not making any progress. So it's weird that like, but in the British waters, you know, you know, that like, there's not really anything that's going to do that much damage. Yeah. To yeah that's what they say,
3: man. But
1: um, <laughs> if I can't see it,
0: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this, But yeah, that, that you've got to just think stoically and remove. Cause you think, okay, am I being overcautious cautious? Am I talking myself out of this now, or or was that just kind of, you know, something out the corner of my eye that I don't have to worry about? So you, it's it's just your mind will play so many tricks on you. But the
3: but being overcautious isn't necessarily a bad thing. I I get not letting the torment of being too cautious ruin the endeavor. Yeah, but. Like for me, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to go in and start swimming and be like even semi-cautious, there would be a point like what you said where it's like, okay, this is, this is now hindering my, um, my goal. So have yeah. you, have you accepted fully on accepted the idea that things could end horribly?
0: Yeah, I th- Actually, you know what I think I have? Like not to, this is going to sound weird and not to go too much into it, but I love what you were talking about, like about um, positive visualisation. Yeah. You know, when you're running, you see your hand above your head, yep. and, you know, you've, you've won. Um, one thing with the Royal Marines that they talked about with me when I was doing my swim, they said, have you done negative visualisation? You know, a, a form of a stoic philosophy that they were using. i will be like, why would I want to think about the bad <laughs> things? And, and they were like, because you need to know that if it goes completely tits up, that you're still going to be okay. You know, So the worst case scenario, think about it, how bad it could get. And then when it happens, at least you've kind of gone, oh, okay, I thought this would happen. And I was like, I I, I don't really want to think about it like that. And then this is where they said to me, they said, Ross, you need to think like a ninja. And I was like, right, I'm in. (laughs) Like,
3: like,
1: wait, you
0: got me. Yeah, and they said like a ninja was so feared and revered because they would made peace with the fact that an honorable death in battle was just like, okay, you got me, you killed me. So they weren't thinking about that. They were just thinking about swinging their sword more efficiently than the opponent. So if you've got an opponent who's kind of like nervous yeah. and a bit rigid yeah. and they're like, you know, but no, ninja's just like, no, I'm just thinking of the process. Mm. You know, the process is its own reward. I'm there and I'm swinging my sword better, but I've made peace with the fact that if I die, I die.
2: You, yeah. And I think- you, Ross, you talked, sorry, you talked a little bit earlier about, about this journey and about how you're you're not different than other people. You just decided to go on the journey. And I think that was- really uh, kind of indicative of what you're talking about. And you talk about this eudaimonia. Do you feel to to a, to an extent that the peace that you have with, uh, with potentially losing your life or having something drastically bad happen as a result of one of these things is tied to the fact that you went on that journey, that you've already completed so many things in this life and that you feel pretty damn good about the place that you're in right now?
0: Yeah weirdly yeah weirdly not not like i i do not have a death wish at all but i also think it's just this idea of kind of you know get busy living or get busy dying you know so there is this idea that yeah you i could be this old uh you know 80 year old in my rocking chair you know sitting there going like oh i've i've led the best life i've wrapped myself in bubble wrap you know and i've got kind of got nothing you know, chauffeur. I think it was Hunter S. Thompson who was like, "You need to go into the grave, like skidding sideways yes, on sir. fire." Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, and I, I, you know, I'm the same. People like, are like, yeah, you know, I've got scars down my body from like pulling the, the car, like you know, my neck, like tongues grown back, thankfully. Um, but there was loads <laughs> of these things that when people were like, well, "Was it worth it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to be like a crazy old man if I make it that far." <laughs> and just, just being like, you know what, he lived. And I can't remember who it was now. I think it might have been Socrates, but they were just like, life's long enough um, if it's lived fully. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, yeah. No, and again, not, this is
1: getting a bit too deep. <laughs> yeah.
0: But with, with Einstein, like, people don't know, with, with Einstein, when he had, um, and I can't remember, it might have been a heart condition. I'm butchering this story slightly, but he, they said, we can treat it. We can treat your heart condition. Um, you know, There is things that we can do. We can do surgery and everything. And he just said, like, no, like, what's the point in artificially trying to extend my life? Like, I've done my bit. You know, huh. it's, it's cool, it's,
3: and, and I just think that's yeah. It's no, it's noble. It's also kind of fucking scary. Like, yeah, like for, I for me, when I, I, this is this is fascinating. When I was early 20s a mid twenties nominal old man. When I was early twenties, uh, I I really I mean you know, when I say like I made peace with the idea of dying. I was like, this is it. I'm gonna go as hard as I as I can. Um, death is death. I've lived a sick life. Like twenty two, twenty three. I I done everything I wanted to do. And 24, 25, it changed. I want to live forever. I want to live forever now. <laughs> like I started falling in love with this idea of life. So I don't know mm. how how apt I am to go swimming in, in deep, dark water where I can't see what's underneath me. Because although it's although it's in, insane and crazy and would do wonders for me as a human, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm willing to take a
0: leap like that. And for that mm. reason,
3: your balls are much bigger than mine.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, do you know what though? You're, you're right. And this, I think this is a whole other podcast though, because it does it does fascinate me. And again, I'd be lying if I said, I had not thought about this in the 157 days where yeah, I was just yeah. left in my own thoughts. You know, you, your mind goes to some strange places. But one thing that I think is strange, like with my tongue and like losing parts of my body and everything <laughs> like that, it's weird that you, uh, uh, for those of you that like ran out fines, greatest living explorer there is amazing and he um there's a story about when he he might have come back from everest i can't remember what it was now but he basically uh had frostbite in his fingers and um, they were like you're probably going to lose your fingers and he was like no 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 like i think they'll be okay and they were like nah, you no know, we might have to amputate and he was like no 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 like let me keep them and i'll see if they basically the blood comes back <laughs> and they come back to life long story short he got back home uh got in the bath a nice warm bath And they basically thawed um, and then fell off. No! Uh, He (laughs) he left left them. This gets worse. He left them on the side of the bath, carried on washing himself, finished his bath and everything like that, uh, went downstairs. His wife then went upstairs and was just like, for God's sake, I've told you to stop leaving fingers in the bath. (laughs) He just just left them. So there was there was an element of that going through my head. That I was like, you know, hey, look, if, if, the, if my tongue is the penance that I have to pay to swim around Great Britain, you know, I, it would be trickier now to speak to you guys. But it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a price that I was willing to pay, you know, that I, I was it, for me, for me anyway. And some people are like, that's not look, I like my tongue.
2: But I was like, you know what? I, I don't need all of it so yeah but fucking me. badass dude that's 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 what it is you're just that's the easiest way to explain it i think a lot i think people like us will always sit in awe of people like you and just yeah. wonder what it is that makes it makes you so different you're a fucking badass bro that's oh, it my. <laughs> I,
0: I think what gets i get what gets weird as well like even now looking at like um you know the wanderlust gene so they've actually identified a gene that like 20 percent, i believe of the population have where they have a lower sensitivity to dopamine so they need to
1: to Do basically
0: so, yeah. need a, a, a bolder lifestyle to satisfy, you know, those needs. If you look at the anthropology of this mm. humans, dating back to when we were believed to be in Africa, you know, it was probably that 20% who went, hang on, like, what's over the horizon? Mm. You know, like, you go take a peek, you know, but there was equally those people who didn't. And that's, that's fine, but I, I think it manifests itself in, in different ways. You know, speaking to you guys with what you've done, you all must have an element of that. We, maybe we, not no, for we, basking shots
3: we make jokes we make jokes about this and i've noticed uh i've i've gotten numb to like a lot of things uh, i feel like i've lived a lot of lives i've had a lot of wins a lot of failures and so i i'm 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 numb to a lot of things and I've noticed that I'll, I'll do things literally just so I can have that spike of adrenaline, that dopamine hit, wake me up <laughs> right. in the morning. Like I love doing stunts in the morning. This isn't a joke. It, it'll, it'll be the first thing I do in the morning. I'll fucking jump off a balcony or, or, or anything to wake me up and get me going. Like it, it, it excites me. It brings me back to life, revitalizes me.
0: Yeah, I get it. I get it. And I, I, do you know what? I think I'm guilty of that as well. So now when people, cause like, swimming around great britain was never on anyone's radar because it was just like it's just like who would do that but now we've done that yeah i'm like it sounds weird but even like i remember the first week i was back on land and i'm sat there on like you know with a with a globe and my girlfriend just came in she was like what are you doing and i was just like "Eh, you know just looking at other countries (laughs) (laughs) she's just like no no (laughs) so she's i promised i wouldn't do anything stupid but for i think I, i said two years but that's running out now so I'm almost at the point where what's next? You know,
3: what, what is next, Do you know,
0: <laughs> no, there's been a few, I mean, I, I, you know, there's been a few ideas thrown around. So I'll tell you guys, uh, you know, off, off sort top, of, air, but top top you'll be, secret. you'll be the first to, yeah, you'll be the first to know publicly, but there's been some that have been thrown around that I'm just a bit like, yeah, like that, that excites me for a higher purpose. Like I spoke about before. Yeah. And, and, and that's, what's, you know, so cool that when you can sit around, like you guys are, as a team, you sit around and you're just like, okay, what can we do? How can we use this platform? Mm. I think it's the same that when, you know, I, I'm at Gym Chart HQ, I'm there chatting to the guys, like drawing a parallel to like Jack Cousteau, who pioneered scuba diving, and like, you know, Aqualung, and just made like, you know, documentaries, wrote books and, and improved ocean literacy, you know, improved our understanding of the oceans. And I'm just like, yes, like that. If I could dedicate my life to that, and just like swim around countries and float and just like smash like 15,000 <laughs> calories. I'm like, that that is a life of eudaimonia. So yep. it's, it's nice Ooh. to have found that. Because yeah. I think a lot of people don't. And I, and I hope people listening, they start asking their question. Like, what what is it? What's their pilgrimage? What's their akugaki? Yeah. Or, or, or just quickly to come back to what you said as well, Logan. Have you heard of the term uh, ikugai, a Japanese term?
3: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, where have I heard that? Why have I heard that? Ikugai. What is it?
0: it's basically they believe so it's, it's, it was created on an island where my they had more people video. Video. that was where that's
3: where okay i was <laughs> really? like i literally just heard this word. <laughs> really? our, our, uh, our videographer he just, he just made a video about this or with this concept oh, amazing
0: yeah amazing so yeah basically just this idea that they have more uh, people living over a hundred where this term was originated on an island than anywhere else in the world and they kind of came over and there was like fresh food and and vegetables and everything like that. But this one thing that they had in this, this culture was this ikigai, and they said, what is it? And it's looking back through history, Maslow's hierarchy, you know, self-actualization. You start looking at like Aristotle talked about, you know, intellectia, eudaimonia, you know, but the, the, the Japanese, and I love this. They just said, it's your sense of purpose. It's your reason for being. It's mm-hmm. why you get up in the morning mm-hmm. and it's made up of four things. It's what you're good at, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you enjoy doing. Uh, and if you hit those four things, that's your ikigai, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. That's, that's why you get up every morning. Yeah. But loads of people, I think, miss out on certain parts. So for me, you know, it, it was kind of looking at the swim and it was like, what I can be paid for. It was like, uh, you know, not many people thought it was possible. So I had like, nobody wanted to give me any money. Yeah. So I was just like, fine, I'll do it on my own. So that was missing, you know, it was, I loved it. It was what I was good at. And, and, and it inspired a lot of people to go on to do their things. So it was nice in terms of that, but I was kind of missing Uh, to talk honestly, you know, the the commercial aspect because you can't then be a martyr doing it with with no money. So you need to monetize it because otherwise it's not a lifestyle. You can't live it. And I think that's what's so good with what you just described that really and truly with your projects as a team, you guys are collectively going, is this an Ica guy? Is it what the world needs? Can we be paid for it? Yeah, Yeah, probably. Is it what the world is? And I think that's where you're, you're moving to see your evolution from, you know, the boxing and everything like that. Now, it feels like that's where you guys are heading. It's, it's amazing to see. Yeah. I think if most people followed that, not to sound too cheesy, the world would be a better place. I totally
3: know? agree. Totally agree. Yeah. If you can get a series of, uh, the IQ guy and, and, and again, that's just the sweet spot. It, it can, it leads to only, only good things.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. But I just think people miss out on that, what the world needs as well, you know, and yeah. that's, that's certainly with, with future sort of swims, I'm just kind of like, yeah, if it's what, if it's what the world needs, yep. then sign me up. If it's an ICA guy, sign me up. Yep. Done. Totally. Yeah.
3: Totally. Well, yo, listening to You Speak Now and Ryan Garcia on our podcast, I... I think I might become a Gymshark athlete. <laughs> yeah.
1: yes. I know I'm all in one, but i you You're all
2: one in one. Relax, dude. I'm you, got one one one. One. you got the tie. Not the tie, the though. tie um, but you are sponsored
3: by Gymshark. If you guys want to check out Gymshark's products, click the link in the description. Uh their stuff's awesome, and obviously they have awesome people on their uh, Lexicon and Oodex, So Ross, appreciate you, bro. Thank you for joining us on Ross.
1: Wow.
0: Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Of right, course, and like I said, I'll send you an invite. Scotland permanent invite. Spare goggles, and I'll get the battered uh, deep fried chocolate as well. Let's so get well. yeah. Please do. Uh, where can they follow you on Instagram? Uh, and what? Where can they f- buy your book?
3: Uh,
0: yeah. So Instagram, and then uh, oh, tomorrow uh, actually it comes out on audio, um, and then it's uh, available on Amazon in America uh, in a few weeks, and uh, in I think uh, UK and Australia it's out now. So with everything that's kind of happening with COVID, it's kind of been a little bit delayed, but it's basically coming out, you know, right now. So, yeah, guys, thank you so much for letting me chat about all of my weird stories.
3: Of course, brother. Of course, you made me a better person. (laughs)
0: Hope y'all downloaded
3: something from this podcast. Uh, Shit, that's impulsive. Ross Edgley, ladies and gentlemen, we love you and we will see you next week. Take it easy. Peace.